We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parham. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome into this Oxford Exxon Podcast Extra, presented by Twisted Tea. Today, we're going to talk with uh, Gary Smith. He covers Tulane for NOLA.com and Rivals.com, the Rebels and the Green Wave getting together Saturday at 2.30 at Yulman Stadium there in New Orleans. First time the Rebels have not played in the uh, Dome since the Dome was a thing when they played Tulane. They're on campus for the Green Wave this Saturday. So we're going to talk to Gary about uh, the Wave, what's going on with them this season. In the past year, as they have really come under a renaissance under Willie Fritz, trying to put back-to-back seasons together. That has not been done in a long time there in New Orleans. So uh, a lot of stuff with him. What's Ole Miss got to do to win? What's Tulane got to do to win? What are the keys for both teams? And what are the injury situations? Tulane's without one of their uh, top defensive players, Corey Platt. Looks like he's suffering an Achilles injury. And then Michael Pratt, the quarterback for the Green Wave, very experienced play caller, dynamic player. He uh, a little banged up after he went over South Alabama last week. So we'll get his health status too. So a Tulane preview of sorts here on this morning's podcast. Again, it is Gary Smith on the Oxford Exxon Podcast Extra and MPW Digital. Gary, thanks for the time today. Really, really appreciate it. Ole Miss and Tulane, two thirty Saturday there from New Orleans, and I was I was looking at last year's schedule and keep up with Tulane a pretty good bit. It, it's been sort of a six game charm life situation. I'm looking and they lose to UCF on November twelfth, and since then they get the blowout win over SMU. They win at Cincinnati. They win the conference championship and in a, in a redemption game against UCF. You beat Caleb Williams and SC in the Cotton Bowl, and then. The Sun Belt, you know, contender there in South Al to start the season, a game that's been very, very built and now culminating in the first top 25 matchup in a, in a long time. I think I saw you said since 2007 against LSU for uh, yeah. for that. It, it's going to be weird probably, isn't it, when it's just a normal game? It feels like you hadn't had one of those well, in a while yeah. there in Uptown no. New Orleans. Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's been an incredible run. And, and the stat I love to give is uh, up until Tulane went to Cincinnati, I believe, Last year, the last time Tulane had beaten a ranked top, a ranked opponent in the Associated Press poll was 1984 against Vanderbilt. Now they beat Army a few years ago, and they were 25th in the coaches' poll. So I okay, so Tulane always threw that in there to stop the streak. But in terms of the AP poll, 
Then Tulane goes and beats UCF in the championship game. I'm not sure whether UCF was ranked after losing the Navy, um, but uh, I think they were, they were close. And then, of course, beat USC in, in the Cotton Bowl. And then, and then you mentioned South Alabama wasn't wasn't ranked, um, but it was. There were a lot of people that thought South Alabama was going to win that game straight up, which kind of tells you that people don't pay a lot of attention to the non-power five leagues because their last game of the year last year, Tulane won against USC in the Cotton Bowl and South Alabama got run out of the building in the Superdome by Western Kentucky and gave up over 500 passing yards. They're a good team. They probably will be a contender in the Sun Belt, but they're not on Tulane's. They're not really on Tulane's level yet. And, and, and we saw that on, on Saturday. I don't think Tulane played a perfect game by any means, but it was never really, it was never really in doubt either. I, I know from up here and people headed down for uh, the weekend, it's a really tough ticket. Tulane's had this sold out for a long time. I, I think a hard sellout even for, for over a month or close to a month now. What is sort of the the buzz, the fan base, the ticket situation? Just kind of paint a picture for me for this weekend. Yeah, well, it, it, it's good, although, I, although I've had, I have heard the rumors that some Ole Miss fans bought season tickets for this game so that they're yeah. going to be more than the 3,000 <laughs> that, yeah. that, that they were uh, allotted. But, uh, no, it, it's, it totally changed hosting that conference championship game made all the difference for Tulane last year because it's usually a slow build when a team's having success. So there were still a lot of empty seats as last year went along, but it was packed when they played UCF. And thank you again to Navy for uh, upsetting UCF last year, which caused that game to be in in New Orleans instead of in, in Orlando. Totally packed, wild atmosphere. Fans storm the field after the game. Students who've kind of been indifferent to athletics for years at Tulane pouring into the stadium. Thousands had to be turned away um, for that game. And it, it, and and the crowd was pretty good for South Alabama in the opener again this year. Again, like 1,500. I think they allot 5,000 for students and 1,500 had to be turned away. They never turned any students away ever until the UCF game last year. There is a lot of enthusiasm for this team. And obviously with Ole Miss coming in, that just ratchets it up even more. A crazy two-year turnaround. Lane Kiffin talked about that. Uh, you know, Tulane really, really struggling even two years ago. They do this under Willie Fritz. But take it back even farther than that. What, what's it been like to sort of watch such a quick progression under this program as somebody who's been around this this, this situation for a while? I and mean, what you know, obviously Tulane's had success in the past, mm-hmm. but this has become not really out of nowhere, but it's been so so hyperspeed. Well, it seems like yeah. Well. Last year came out of nowhere. If you consider what, what I mean, this is a program that I, I, I'm, I'm trying to had not had more than two consecutive winning seasons since uh, the early 1970s, maybe. Wow. Um, okay. So there was no system. They had pockets. Obviously, when Tommy Bowden was coach, they went seven and four and then 12 and oh. But then he left and they went back down to the down the down the toilet again for, for, for a long time there. But Willie Fritz building his line. He, he took him to a bowl game the third year. They went six and six. Um, they won their bowl game. He he, he kind of joked about how coaches were coming up to him at, at the coaches' conventions and congratulating him for this huge success. And he's like, I didn't really do anything. I mean, I, I, I want to go to a bowl game, but that's not what he came to Tulane to do. And then they plateaued for a while because they went to two more bowl games in the next two years. But again, seven and six, six and six um, records in those two years. And then you can throw out 2021 because of Hurricane Ida. It it, sure. it they had to evacuate for a month. They came to Ole Miss at the end of he, Willie Fritz made it. I mean, they weren't going to win that game anyway because they didn't have anybody that could even come close to handling Matt Corral that night. But it was a disaster in every front. The huge the lightning delay. He brought his whole 120 players to the game and not think. And then they're stuck in a locker room that 
didn't accommodate that many sure. and they weren't ready to play. But and then and then things just went their their offense coordinator, Chip Long, who I actually got along with well, graded on his players because he was an old school rip, you know, coach through negativity type guy. And that can work when you're winning, but when you're losing players tune you out just a lot went wrong that year and and Willie and Willie Fritz made a ton of adjustments after that year first he he fired his longtime strength and conditioning coordinator who'd been with him since um uh, Sam Houston State and brought in a guy and the players loved the the new guy Kurt Hester um he 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 obviously he, he changed coordinators he, he he just he made a lot of adjustments in the program and I certainly didn't see it coming I, I think I drew Fritz's ire a little bit last year because I wrote the Athlons preview in preseason for Tulane, I read that Tulane could be could get back to the six and six, seven and five mm-hmm. level, and they didn't like that because they really th- they really thought they were going to have a breakthrough season in 2021, and then everything went sideways, and almost all those guys were returning last year, so it didn't surprise them. I think as much as surprised everybody else. But yeah, Tulane, like I said, they hadn't beaten a ranked team since 1984, and then they go to Cincinnati in a game they have to win and beat the two time defending champion on the road in conference, and then beat USC in the Cotton Bowl, and when it, it was it was it, it, it was it was a total sea change. You can't have that kind of turnaround without a talented quarterback. Obviously, mm-hmm. all eyes on Michael Pratt this weekend there for uh, for Tulane. I watched most of South Allen Tulane on uh, on Saturday. He was clearly limping there in the fourth quarter. Yeah. What's the what's the kind of the latest on him? I know he's going to play, but beyond He'll that, play. We'll, we'll find out. I mean, look, he he's incredibly tough. He was in worse condition last year before the conference championship game against UCF. In fact, there, Tulane's one of the only schools in the country that has open practice still for media. And they closed it that week. Um, it also Fritz had all of the rumors to Georgia Tech. There was all kinds of stuff yeah, going. Yeah. But so we did. But I've heard from people he could barely walk that week. Didn't practice at all. Then went out against UCF and threw for a career high three hundred sixty five yards and even ran for a touchdown late. That doesn't mean it can happen again because you saw guy he he made a spin move with four and a half minutes left in the game against South Alabama and a guy fell on his leg and kind of pinned him down. Will he, he's been out there at practice this week. Does that mean he's a hundred percent? No, it doesn't mean that. But he, I, I'm pretty sure he's gonna. I'm pretty sure he's gonna play, and then we'll we'll see if he can tough it out. And, and painkillers are a wonderful thing <laughs> in this world for for players. So so we'll see how it goes. But it's, it, it's absolutely a concern for Tulane. I expect him to play all four quarters, but should he just have to get retaped? He has a minute, needs to get another shot of something that probably could kill a small horse. Whatever it is, <laughs> what is sort of the quick book on Kai Hodges? There, the backup. Ty Horton. Um, yes, he, Horton, sorry. He, well, the, the book on him is he had to play one game last year uh, against Houston. And uh, he went out there. He First of all, he wasn't even supposed to play because <laughs> Justin Ibietta was their second string quarterback. He started against Houston. First series leads him all the way down the field and then um, tears his labrum for the second straight year um, on a run. And so Kai Horton, the third string quarterback is thrown in, in a game, another game Tulane had to win. Houston was actually the preseason conference favorite last year. And Houston Tulane was playing him on the road and Kai Horton led him to a touchdown on his first drive. Didn't do a whole lot after that, but then was led him to a game tying touchdown in the final minutes and then led him to the winning touchdown in overtime. He's actually got more arm talent than, than Michael Pratt. The rest he's inconsistent. Um, but as backups go, and, and Ivy at his back, but I don't think he's 100% after the torn labrum. So if, if if a quarterback has to go in, it'll be Kai Horton. And he showed last year he, he he can handle the big moments. Now, if you take away the second and third quarters against Houston, Tulane barely got a first down in, in, in that game. And obviously that won't fly against Ole Miss <laughs> um, if, if that happens. But if he has to play an extensive time, he's proven he's not afraid of the moment. 
really good on offense. I mean, Pratt almost perfect on Saturday. I guess 14 to 15, the one incompletion's a drop. Um, there did their run game look like what you thought without Spears? I mean, you kind of were waiting yeah, to see I, what that was going to look like. What 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 did the offense as a whole show you on Saturday? It, it, the run game looked like what I saw in the preseason, which is not so good yet. Um, now mm-hmm. it's still early, and one thing about South Alabama, I think they may have been a little overrated going into the year, but they were third in the nation last year in rushing defense, and they brought back their whole defensive line. So that was a they, they're pretty stout uh, up front. Tulane has a good offensive line. Willie Fritz insists it's easily the best in his his tenure. No running back stepped up in the preseason, and the same thing happened in, in that game. They've got five guys. They used four of them. I think the fifth guy, a freshman a local, from a local high school, um, Arnold Barnes, may get a chance to against Ole Miss. None of them None of them stepped up. I mean, their best running back was their fifth string guy. Makai Hughes came in in the second half, but that was after South Alabama was worn down and, and had some success, but he also made some mistakes. So, yeah, it, it's a work in progress. This is the first time in the Willie Fritz era that I can say that Tulane – is is going to beat teams in the air and the and the running game is a work in progress and and, and we'll find out this week but it, i didn't the first half in particular there wasn't much running room there for any of the running backs that played so you're ready to elevate your college football game day experience check out twisted tea your go-to game day beverage for college football fans twisted tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before it's made with real brewed tea and packs a flavorful punch with five percent alcohol no carbonation delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team, whether you're tailgating, you're in the stadium, parking lot, watching at a bar, hosting friends at home. Twisted tea is there to elevate your experiences, perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted tea, the drink that fuels fun and that celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. I know Pratt ended up with almost 40 yards rushing. Is he prone to take off? What, what, what will they do with the quarterback? Yeah, he loves to run, and he loved, and he's actually really good at it. He's underrated that, but what he isn't good at is avoiding unnecessary hits. He's finally learned how to slide. He didn't use the slide. He did that in that game, but, but the hit he took that got him injured, again, they're up 17 points, and there's four and a half minutes left in the game, and it was kind of a freak play, but he was trying to avoid a tackle instead of just getting down and uh, – and uh, but yeah, he's very like like if he's not a hundred percent and can't run, that definitely hurts the offense because he's really against USC. It's fourth and six on their game-winning possession down six, where if they don't make the first down, the game's over. Nobody was open, and he just sneaked out of the pocket and and got eight yards to keep that drive alive. He's really really a good runner, and uh, and and they Tulane will absolutely need him to be able to do that on Saturday. Tulane will be without linebacker Corey Platt on Saturday. He got injured in the third quarter against South Alabama last week in the opener. What does that change for the defense? What kind of loss is that for the way? A lot. They've got they had three starter quality linebackers and they they play two at a time. So it won't affect their starter. I mean, they they, they had two really good ones in Jesus Machado and uh and and um Tyler Grubbs, who transferred from Louisiana Tech and had over a hundred tackles every year he was there. But Corey Platt, I mean, the guy had 15 tackles and it wasn't even the end of the third quarter yet. I mean, he was absolutely having an incredible breakout performance in his first start. And he's the fastest of the linebackers and the most versatile, able to cover downfield and, 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 and pass rush and, and handle the run. They don't have that. And then also you're talking about an afternoon game at two 30. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. They know who their two starters are. They have a backup, Jared Small, who was a former walk-on at LSU who was slated to start for LSU in their opener two years ago, suffered a torn ACL the week before the game, came back last year, played about three games, suffered another torn ACL. He transferred to Tulane this year. I'm not sure he's 100%, but he at least, he's a guy that's played some. Other than that, they don't have anybody that's ever done anything at all and that they're confident on. And I don't know if three linebackers is enough in the heat that they're going to be playing. They're going to try to rotate those three guys in and out, but it'll absolutely, one, they're losing a playmaker in, in Corey Platt, and two, they're losing the, the depth. And I think the depth is a bigger issue because if anybody other than those other those top three linebackers have to go on the field, it could be a problem for them. Watch Willie Fritz press conference in the week. Read your notes on, on Rivals.com. It seemed like Fritz, obviously you got a key on Judkins, but it seemed like he also was pretty concerned with Dart's ability to move in the pocket, to, to take off and run. What do you what do you sort of sense is keeping Tulane up at night from the Ole Miss offensive? Yeah, I think it's that just – that was Tulane's kryptonite last year. Quarterback Ole Miss people are very familiar with. John Rice Plumley ran all over Tulane in the first meeting with UCF last year. Um, in the first quarter, guys thought they had an angle on him. He just ran right by the angle. And, and Tulane didn't give up any big plays almost all last year, except that game. He was just running all over him, and uh, and they they really struggled against that. And then they contained him in the meeting in the championship game, but that didn't count because he was injured. He couldn't really run. So that that's that was probably Tulane's biggest weakness last year. Now they have a new defensive coordinator, um, a more kind of aggressive scheme, so it may be different this year. But I think that's the biggest concern. Tulane has Tulane brought back all eight of their defensive linemen. They're really they're stout against the run this year. Now it's tough to stop a fifteen hundred yard dynamic running back, regardless. But I feel like they can. They feel like they don't have to stack the box to slow him down. They, they, they feel like they can do an okay job. I think they're more worried about Dart taking off. And obviously, I mean, Matt Corral destroyed Tulane two years ago. Now he's, he's fat. I think he's faster than, than, than Dart, but Dart's proven he, he's an effective runner. I think that's what's keeping the coaches up at night the most. Looking at a depth chart as far as Pratt's throws over last season, it looks like he uses the middle of the field a ton. It's where a lot of his yards come, but also a lot like where, where some mistakes have come, even though there are not many of them, only five picks all of last season. What will this Tulane offense look like on Saturday? They take a lot of shots now because that's the thing. Usually when a quarterback goes 14 to 15, there's a lot of bubble screens involved and, and mm -hmm. hitches and stuff like that. He averaged 21 yards on his 14 completions in, in that game. And they were, and he was just on, sometimes the receivers were wide open, but every pass was like right in their hands downfield. He's improved exponentially since his freshman year in that. I mean, he, he was like a 53% completion percentage his freshman year. It went up. Last year it was near 64%. And this year, and I saw it in preseason practice too. He's really good on the deep ball and just the, in the post patterns, um, the fades and all that stuff. He puts it right where it needs to be. And that that's absolutely where he's improved the most. And I think, especially since their running game 
is nowhere near as dynamic without Tajay Spears. I think you'll see Tulane take a lot of shots in this game. Is anybody else banged up? Is there any other question marks from an injury standpoint? No, I mean, those are two really huge ones. <laughs> and and sure. Platt, Platt, who I think they've never released it, but I'm pretty sure Platt tore his, um, I mean, Achilles. So I'm pretty okay. sure he's out, out for the year. He, he, he and all they've announced is that he's not playing <laughs> against Ole Miss, but I watched the injury and that's exactly what it looked like. Um, but no, everybody else on the two deep is healthy. And this is the other thing. Tulane is a lot deeper than, than they used to be. It used to be um, if a starter was injured, they were in trouble. They, they're 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 too deep at most positions this year. If Tulane wins this game on Saturday, what kind of what does the game look like? I think Tulane has to score a lot of points, uh, especially. I mean, probably would have been the case anyway against a Lane Kiffin offense, but certainly with Corey Platt out, you got to think that Tulane is going to have to score a lot. They're going to have to control the ball. Uh, to, to to keep Ole Miss off the <laughs> off the field as as much as they can. Yeah, the USC game was forty six to forty five last year. I'm not saying it has to be that high, but upper thirties would be my guess. I'd, both teams in the thirties with Tulane controlling the ball. The new clock rule with the first down when you make a first down, the clock doesn't stop anymore. <laughs> could help shorten the game a, a little bit, but I I think that I think that's the path because I I don't see Tulane holding Ole Miss below thirty. Tulane beats Caleb Williams, beats SC in a bowl game like that, gets this premier win from a program standpoint. Was there a certain proof of concept to that where that helps, not just leaving confidence, but just going into a game like this that, hey, we had this just two games ago that was this? Yeah, it does. I mean, you know, I I don't know how much confidence the defense can gain from that performance because basically USC did whatever they wanted all game long from start to finish. And Tulane had a good defense last year. But boy, that was a step up in class because, by the way, that was a compromise. Caleb Williams, he wasn't running at all in that game, but he was healthy enough that they could not tackle him at any time. Like he he just sidestepped anybody that came in and receivers were open all over the field. So I wouldn't say that was a confidence builder for the defense, but for the whole team. Yeah, I mean, that was USC. USC had more talent than they did across the board and they stuck with the plan. They were behind the whole game. They believed that they could win the game. They stayed within range and then got some plays down the stretch to, to, to get the win. Sure. That, 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 that was huge. That was huge for them because again, no rank, no rank, no wins over a ranked team since a Vanderbilt in 1984. And then you're beating USC in, in the cotton bowl with the Heisman trophy winner. Um, yeah, that, that, that was absolutely huge for the program. Are we getting normal September weather here in New Orleans on Saturday? No, you spied at all? <laughs> It's worse. Okay. Um, it's got, I mean, August was obscene. I mean, the, the first half of, of preseason drills. Now, they practiced early in the morning, like 730 to 930. But those were every day it was getting to 100 degrees. And that's not normal in New Orleans. Um, and the Saturday is supposed to be in the low 90s with with high humidity. Um, but it, it, it's been even hotter. Than, than normal and that that's going to both teams are used to playing in the heat obviously but it's still going to be a factor because when you're playing in the middle of the afternoon and weather like that I don't care how can do problem what did it mean to Tulane to you know keep their coach or whatever that looked like or didn't look like with Georgia Tech last year and to fight off a power five to, to keep momentum going everything I mean because it, it just it that just doesn't happen anymore really if, mm-hmm. if you're a group of five school and you have a successful season a breakthrough season like Tulane did you're you're preparing for the next season with a new coach and and it was pretty close uh you know it, really it came down to the Georgia Tech insisted that Willie Fritz come up and do an interview accepting the job before Tulane's conference championship game against UCF and he wouldn't he, he would not do it I don't know there are that many coaches that would refuse to do it and it was also there was a faction at Georgia Tech that didn't want him. So it was kind of a close call anyway. And when he refused to do it, that faction won over 
And so he's he, he's still at two. I think after that, he might not have taken the job anyway, because it really it really made him angry that they were insisting that he do that with the importance of the game coming up. So uh, they like they weren't telling him he couldn't coach in the game, but they just wanted him to go to Atlanta and do a, mm-hmm. do an interview, do a, a press conference and he wouldn't do it. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it that's always been the problem. I mean, when Tulane went undefeated in 1998, everybody left. And they refused to hire Rich Rodriguez as their who thought he who should have been hired as head coach. They went a different direction because they wanted somebody who wasn't going to leave at the first opportunity instead of wanting somebody who was actually a good coach. And they paid the price for decades to come with that decision. So, yeah, this this was just huge because because this team, this team this year. I mean, there are obviously some questions without Ty J Spears, but the overall roster is probably better than it was last year. Um, they're deeper and they 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 have they think they're going to be able to win the conference again. Yeah, that's where I was kind of going with my last thing was that I think Vegas had two lanes over under at nine, nine and a half mm-hmm. on the season from a season win total standpoint. Anything, I mean, especially after South Al's yeah. already done and it's a W, anything less than 10 and two feels grave disappointment for two lanes. Yeah, kind of I mean, especially if they, yeah, I mean, if, if they beat Ole Miss, you know how fans are, people are going to start thinking playoffs. I mean, I would like the actual, the, the four team yeah. playoff because. They'll look, you know, Houston left the league, UCF left the league, Cincinnati left the league. Now Tulane beat all three of them last year, but um, the league is not as as strong this year. And UTSA, which looked like they were going to be a really, really good team, lost to Houston in in, in the first week of the year. Um, not a terrible loss, but still they only scored 14 points. No, I mean, if Tulane beats Ole Miss, looking at their schedule, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, the, the, 11 and one you're looking at hopeful for the team. Hopefully now, you know, it's, it's not automatic. Tulane has to play at Memphis this year. And Memphis has literally destroyed Tulane every single time that Tulane has gone up to Memphis. And four years ago, Tulane was one spot out of the AP top 25 when they went to Memphis. And a lot of people sort of like the South Alabama Tulane game last week, a lot of national people were picking Tulane to win that game. I went on a Memphis podcast. I picked Tulane to win the game. And then Memphis scored touchdowns on basically every single possession of, of the game. And it was an absolute blowout. I looked, I, look, I was, I looked stupid and Tulane hit the skids after, after that game. So it's certainly not automatic, but Tulane will probably be, if Tulane beats Ole Miss, Tulane will probably be favored in every game they play this year. So what are the one or two things you're looking for on Saturday? What's kind of the key to this thing? And what do you expect? Yeah. And and, and by the way, the other thing that's keeping the coaches up at night is, is Ole Miss's pace because okay. that two years ago, that was a massive problem for Tulane. They weren't even lined up for a lot of the plays. It'll help Willie Fritz that he's now faced a Lane Kiffin offense. And then the other factor, the, the new defensive coordinator, um, Sheil Wood, he was at Troy last year. He faced Ole Miss last year. And they, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I didn't see the game, but I see Ole Miss only scored 28 points. So he must have done a, a, a pretty good job on that day. So he's familiar with it. Um, but yeah, again, it, it, Tulane's offense, it, it'll be Tulane's offense really dominating. And, and Ole Miss, that's not going to be easy. Ole Miss has SEC caliber players, but that passing game, if Pratt is healthy enough, the Tulane has their best receivers they've had in, in the Fritz era and they're deep at receivers and you can't key on one guy. They've got about four or five different guys that, that can all make plays. It's going to, it's going to involve Tulane controlling the ball and getting touchdowns on those possessions when they get down the field. Cause it's going to, if they're, if Tulane wins, it's going to be in, a, I think it's going to be in a shootout. Yeah. 2.30 on Saturday there from new Orleans. Bruce, appreciate the time today and I'll, uh, I'll see you down there in a couple of days.